VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Well, Alex, that was another belting European weekend. It certainly was. That's Owen Slot. He's back from the Rico Arena. And that's Alex Lowe, and he went to watch live rugby rather than live music this weekend. Well, kind of, but Saracens were like a great rock band who've suddenly rediscovered their rhythm. Uh, nice play on words, Alex. Well, you would say that, Owen, wouldn't you? You wrote them. Indeed I did. In a special new breakthrough on The Ruck this week... We've got a script. Where one of us says something... And the other one follows. And it sounds spontaneous, like it's a grown-up news programme. Or a piece of Tom Stoppard dialogue. Or a Scarlet's move, where the momentum just never dies. Until they've swept end-to-end, and finally... Magnificently... Qualified for the European quarterfinals for the first time in... How many years? Eleven years? Alex, there was a third voice in there. Yep, that's Will, our special guest. Brilliant, Will. Can you introduce yourself? Sure. I'm the number seven that Eddie Jones always wanted. Hang on, I can't say that. You can. It's in Slotty's script. <laughs> Will Fraser, thank you very much for coming back to The Ruck. Uh, you were so uh, warmly received by people uh, last time that we wanted to get you back. And uh, it's a great time to have you back uh, with the end of the um, European group stages. Saracens have been through uh, an um, amazing uh, uh, trough and out the other side, we think. Um, uh, Will, for those who aren't entirely sure, um, is not a Saracens player anymore, um, but uh, retired in the summer, but is is still very much on the inside. You were working yeah. for Saracens doing... So for the Saracens Way, so a programme where we look at how what we've done off the pitch at Saracens in terms of the culture, um, how we treat people, our values, how we can transfer that into any organisation. Um, we do it through a series of workshops and, and other bits and bobs. So I've been very fortunate that I've been, I've been given a, a brilliant role at the club. And you still pretty much got a bird's eye view on what's been happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still see the boys all the time. Uh, still go and sit in on a few team meetings. Um, sort of a proper lingerer at the moment. I just turn up and I hide in the in the corner of team meetings and try and listen to what's going on. So it's been an interesting time, as you say. So it's been quite interesting for me doing what I do now. Excellent. So, so, so this is Monday morning. Would it be fair to say that yesterday afternoon you were in front of the TV, crapping yourself like the rest of the team? Yeah, or? screaming at Leicester for kick for to kick for goal. At Jesus, the end. they uh, let you down, didn't they? Uh, I mean, to be fair, if I was in their position, I, I would have gone for a try, hundred percent. But I was just praying, I was screaming, saying, "Please, just kick for goal, kick for goal." I don't need to sit through another 80 minutes wondering whether or not we're going to go through. And as it turns out, luckily, was did a job for us. Yeah, so Wasps rescued Saracens effectively by beating Ulster and knocking Ulster out. Saracens got through. Um, Alex, did you think at, at one point there was going to be zero English clubs? Uh, yeah, I did. well, I did. After after Leicester, the Leicester game, where I, I didn't think they were going to win, but right at the end there, the draw would have would have done 
enough for Saracens. And then I couldn't see Quinns beating La Rochelle and going in to the Ulster game. I, I thought that was tight. I thought that was the, the best chance that the Saracens had of, of someone doing them a favour. Um, and then when the conditions were what they were, muddy and wet and cold, I, I kind of I wondered quite what Mark McCall must have been mm. thinking at, at home watching on television, but but was managed to defy those conditions and and, and they did brilliantly and, and and did a not only did Saracens a favour but did English rugby a favour because it would have been mightily embarrassing for the Premiership had none of their clubs qualified. One thing that slightly surprised me after is you'd have a take on this. Well, is a, is um. Dai Young was. We were saying. So, how do you feel that that all you've achieved by the, this good victory over Ulster is you've helped your rival Saracens get through to the quarterfinals? And and he was very much. No, you don't don't see it like that. We, we we are English clubs, and we like to help. You know, we are rivals in the Premiership, but but we see ourselves as a, as a team effectively, which um, you know slightly raised raised some eyebrows. Mm. But is that how you see it? If Saracens couldn't get through, would you be really happy if Wasps or, or Harlequins or whoever did instead? I think, as you say, Alex, it's just good for English rugby to have an English club there. So, But they wouldn't have gone into that game saying, you know what, if Leicester lose, let's, let's win this for Saracens. Let's win this game so we can put Saracens through. You know, everyone, you, you play rugby because, well, for one of the many reasons you play rugby is because you want to win. You go into every game and, and you want to win regardless of what possible outcomes that could mean for other teams. And I think what the nice byproduct was of their, the back of them winning was that an English club has gone through and we can sort of now try and fly the flag for the Premiership in Europe. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, well, you are, Saracens are flying the flag. So just just go through those quarterfinals. So um, by dint of finishing eighth, Saracens draw Leinster away, who, were the, who won six out of six, the only club to win, win six out of six. Uh, Claremont play Racing, the two French teams. Munster at home to Toulon, and a real cracker of a game. Scarlets at home against La Rochelle. So it's a bit weird that Leinster's uh, reward, if you like, for for getting six out of six is to draw Saracens, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's. It, I mean, they they must have seen it coming. They, they would have known that if Saracens were to creep through, they'd probably end up hosting them at the Aviva Stadium it makes for a hell of occasion but they've been through a tough time uh, as you know, Will's been part of it and he's just talked about the culture they're a team who've, who've built a resilience about them they've, they've bounced back and by the time they get to this game they could have Billy Vunipola back Charlotte Britt's back and maybe even Michael Rhodes back if uh, the hamstring injury is not quite as bad as some people fear and so your yeah, your reward for going unbeaten through the pool stages and being, being top seeds is to host the double champions who are, will be nearing full strength by then so, well, what's uh, on on Saracens and everything that's happened the last two two and a bit months? Mm. They went into that phase of so six games, seven seven, seven in a row, think, yeah. seven defeats in a row, and uh, after after six, it was like, what's going on? After the seventh, it was, uh, is this a crisis? And then mm. Mark McCall, as we said, said, judge us at the end of January, and here we are in Jan- in January, and they've won all but one of their games in that mm. period. Um, he, he said they were in a bit of trouble at that point, and I think on the Monday, the day after that Claremont defeat at home, which was just bizarre, the way mm. that it was so un-Saracens-like, and yeah. that, you know, everything that, that has been created at that club was built on that defence and the, the hunger mm. to make tackles, and they were mi- missed 37 tackles mm. that day. Um, now, you'll know more, but the, the players gathered for lunch the next day um, without any coaches around and yeah. had a big kind of heart-to-heart yeah. and, and thrashed out some some home truths, I think. Mm. I mean, with that must have been the first time in a while where, where that's been needed. And, and what, what's, what was going wrong? What was, what was the trouble at the time that, that, that they managed to kind of put the finger on and, and solve? Well, the, the, the really interesting thing is, and we were saying at the start, with, with sport, it's, 
<clears throat> you offer, you're always going to get a period at some point where you, you're going to lose a few games or things aren't going to go well. And we've had a few over the last few years, but it's ne- been never more than a couple back to back or one here and a few weeks later another one. So, in terms of for the the actual group of players at the moment, it's the first time any of them really have ever been in a situation like that where you've had so many defeats back to back where things just aren't working for whatever reason. So. Um, what it came down to, the meeting after the Claremont game at home uh, and in Spark on the Monday night when we got thrashed, the meeting, that meeting, looking at what's going wrong, actually wasn't about the rugby. We didn't really talk about the rugby at all. It was about more of the, the, the cultural side of it. So remembering why we do what we do, remembering what we've built over the last eight years, um, going back to basics a little bit in terms of that side of it. Um, and then off the back of that, that week, um, talking to some of the boys, it was... It was a heavily player-led week in terms of right. what do we want to get out of this week what do we want to get out of this game at Claremont away because you're going off the back of one of the worst defeats the club's ever had at home and then you've got to go to Claremont where when we've been at our best we've not mm. got a victory and actually what they said they took the, the exact same approach to the cultural side of it as they did to the rugby so they basically went and said right let's just go back to basics what makes a good Saracens performance it's being physical it's being hungry it's working hard it's putting in a shed load of effort showing loads of energy and actually I think in many ways although we lost the game um, at Claremont when you look at it from a performance point of view I mean actually we probably should have won as well it was, I was, it was out of that game I thought it was a, a pretty impressive performance yeah, from Saris. I think it was, it was, even without what had gone the past the seven weeks previous it was an impressive performance so I think that was a huge turning point in terms of just going back to what we're good at what is, what defines a proper Saris performance Did you, who would have arranged the lunch oh, it would have been the lads so it would have been um, Brad or one of the one of the senior guys would have put it on the, the WhatsApp group that everyone has nowadays and just said mm-hmm. right lads we're meeting here at this time um come down and again you know it wasn't the premise of it wasn't necessarily too it was it was just going back to the core part of what we're about as a group which is our, the friendships and the relationships and actually in a time like that going and having a beer together and just chatting away then naturally conversations will end up why would you have gone away from that i mean you, you hadn't stopped being close friends or no 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 it's not that i don't think it's that we've gone away from it we still do all that but i think that, you know the, the point was made was that because our, where we are now from a performance point of view is a lot higher than where we were five, six, seven years ago. Yeah. It's just making sure that we don't focus so much on that and and not bring the other side up with it. So it's like, you know, if there's a balance in uh, scales, you know, maybe we'd gone a bit heavy on the performance side and not the other side was the, was the yeah. chat from the thing. But to me, it, sti- it still seems well, it still seems a weird thing and, and maybe a brilliant thing in a way that that your response to a bad defeat is to go and have lunch and talk about the fact mm. that, that we're really good friends and that's what counts. I mean, yeah. and, and that you say, everyone says that was the essential point of the turnaround. Yeah. I mean, that that sounds weird. Yeah. Uh, and and it, but it, but it is. But it's true. But yeah. it's true, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, don't get you wrong, there's st- there are obvious, were obvious bits specifically with the rugby that needed to... To be looked at, but that well, like, wasn't. Don't miss thirty-seven tackles. That, well, yeah, but that wasn't the fundamental reason why we'd lost, mm-hmm. why we'd been on a bad run. But yeah, but but that's but that's you know that's been our sort of USP, if you like, over the last eight nine years. Is exactly that is is the friendships and and you know making memories together and all that kind of stuff, and that then manifests itself on the pitch with the you know the the proper Saris performances. So. I think going back to that, and actually, whenever we've been through a little bad patch, that's always been 
the way we've reacted. We've always got together and met up somewhere as a group and just enjoyed each other's company. And as I say, naturally, especially after a, a few beers, you, you boys will talk about rugby. And, and, and But I suppose the good thing about that is then you get proper, honest conversations about how people generally feel at the moment. And if you can get that and actually understand where someone's head, head is at and they understand where you're at, that's when you can then actually get learning conversations and then build on it and get back to where you need to be. And going back to Slotty's question about it not being much of a reward for, for Leinster mm. to face Saracens, do, yeah. do you think having been through that and having almost replenished all those things that, mm. that they needed to look at, that actually that tough run will make them even even more dangerous to come the business end of the season? 100%. They'll go to Leinster not only with, with some, some players mm. back, quite possibly, but with a real kind of hunger and, and a a recent reminder of what it's like when it goes wrong. Yeah, I think I I definitely think so. I think I think come the end of the season in a year's time, two years time, whatever, we'll look back at that period and we'll actually which sounds we'll actually be almost a bit grateful for it because it's almost like pressing the reset button a little bit. Um, and actually, when you go through those, as long as if you go through a bad, as long as you you learn from it and you can take things from it, then actually it's very beneficial. And I think going through that. And then sneaking into the quarterfinals, I think Leinster away is actually the perfect quarterfinal for us. You know, you, you're going into the Lions Den, the Aviva against a team that gone unbeaten this year in Europe. Um, and actually, if you look back on history, at sort of they're the games that the boys really thrive in, and as a club, they're the games where we properly come out. I mean, if you look at when we played Munster in the um, semi-finals last year at the Aviva. You know, same sort of thing. So I, I think that is probably for us a perfect game. To, to propel that the rest of that sort of European campaign. If, if there's any player that kind of epitomises that that mindset of loving mm. to step into yeah. the hostile surroundings, it would be Owen, Owen yeah. Farrell, who um, who was picked out um, for praise by Mark McCall at the mm. weekend, not just for the way he played against Northampton in that when when Southampton had to go and do everything they mm. could, put themselves in position, seven tries, mm. put fifty over fifty on Northampton for the third time this yeah. season, yeah. and I think Farrell scored kicked twenty seven points. Mm. But he actually said he pinpointed the the role he'd had in that six weeks. Yeah. What what does a senior player like Owen do beyond what just turning up for training and 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 giving his all on on the pitch to to, to help to help kind of generate that that turnaround? What what's, what kind of role do they have? I think I think a lot of it with Owen is he's incredibly passionate and knowledgeable about the game, and he's incredibly passionate about the group as well, and everyone you know getting to to, to be as good as they can be. So I think with him. One, he leads by example massively in terms of the training, um, his attitude around the place during the week. Obviously, on game day, he's he's just in a world of his own. And then what he says is so clear and honest that it really there's no beating around the bush. There's no you know you. I can't speak on behalf of any other clubs, but what you'd imagine sometimes is people try and skirt around what the real issue is or try and kind of sugarcoat things. With Owen, he's he's brilliantly honest and and he does it in a way where actually you know that he's only, he's doing it because he just wants us to be better um, he's a bit scary as well though isn't he well I don't think so but if you, <laughs> if you if you mess up in training he'll kill you won't he no he's there, I, I promise you Do, I, Owen, is there, Owen wants people to get better that's what all he no, wants no, no I, I yeah. mean yeah but but his standards are so high isn't that when he isn't that the time when he'll lose it if if people aren't attaining the appropriate no, standards in training no not if not no, well, he doesn't. He de- I've, I've never seen him lose it in training. All right. He'll say, if you don't know, for example, and it's not Owen, I was the exact same, if you're training 
and someone's in the wrong place because they've not done their homework and actually sat down and learnt where they're meant to be, that's different because actually yeah. that's that's sort of an unwritten rule between the group. That that's entirely on your head individually to know that, to do your learning and do your, your work. So that's different. If it's a case of dropping a ball or slightly running the wrong line or whatever, then, then he'll just say, you know, it's, it's, encourage, it's encouragement. It's trying to pick you up and just say, you know, just run this, this on here. And, and to be honest you'd be an idiot not to listen to it because he's world-class. So if he's telling you something, 100% he's, you've probably done the wrong thing. That's why he's, that's why he's telling you. Do, do you think that, that he could be a coach tomorrow if, if his yeah. foot fell off or something? 100%. Because that's what people say, he's like a coach as, as a player. He could player. be, whether, whether, or not, whether or not he wants to. Yeah, yeah. Say, but, but he could easily. But he behaves, he easily. conducts himself like a coach, yeah, doesn't he? Yeah, but he just knows, his knowledge of the game is, is phenomenal. Like, it, it is... You sit down and watch a game with him, and you—I mean, not a Saris game it would be any game—and you'll, you'll be talking through it. And he just sees things that that no one else would see, and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's—he um, definitely could be a hundred percent. I think yeah. I think England use him like that already. Mm. I think Eddie Jones has said he will often he'll send off George Ford, Noah Farrell to mm. go and do some analysis on the opposition, and yeah. they'll come back quite often having mm. seen things Eddie hasn't seen. And, and yeah, England have a, a defense coach and a forwards coach mm. and a um, scrum coach but they haven't got a backs coach no. Eddie does it and I'm sure he does it in conjunction yeah. with, with with Owen and mm. George because because of exactly that they, yeah. they, they see things and, and their attention to detail is so yeah um, it, 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 it means that they're spotting yeah. opportunities and, and, um, and ways of breaking down 100% and I think you know, if, if you've got players like that, you'd be a fool not to use them in that way because, as you say, they're the ones on the pitch seeing these things. They're the ones that have to make those decisions. And not every player. I think it's actually quite rare to get players who are, are that way inclined. Um, but in in more ways than one, Faz is just, as I say, he's just one of a kind, really, in in in, in so many ways. And, and that's definitely one of them. And as a club, well, and as, as a country, as a national side, I think... We've benefited tenfold from from him. Just to rewind a bit to, to the um, Saracens fourteen Claremont forty six day mm. that sort of um, that started all this yeah. started this conversation. At that time, did you have confidence, or we as as a as a as a, a, a fan and a teammate yeah. effectively, or, yeah. or as close as you were to it? Do, were you were you perturbed by it were you concerned by it or did you th- just think oh we're going to come through this I mean I was, it's so it, I mean, it was as you say already it was, it was such a long run and mm, such a bad mm, such a bad defeat such an uncharacteristic yeah. defeat I was I was I always thought we were going to come through it 100% um, but that doesn't mean I wasn't surprised or a bit um, yeah perturbed as you said I mean it's just as you say I mean the the the, the difference was that Claremont home game the games before were all kind of by one or two points mm. and you could really pinpoint from a rugby point of view why we'd lost those games And but that Claremont game was just it was like a few years ago and we um, I was actually playing in it and Wasp put 60 points on us at Allianz Park it's a couple of years ago now it's just one of those complete anomaly performances but because it wasn't because it was off the back of five other defeats and unlike the Wasp one where it, we'd won every, every game and then suddenly that happened there was obviously something more than just the rugby going on mm. but I always thought we'd come through it because you know we you look at the players we've got and the lads we've got and the you know the, the, the culture we've built over the last eight, nine years that doesn't just suddenly disappear 
Is it official? Are they through it now? And have you got a certificate saying <laughs> that it's over? Uh, not yet. No, we're still waiting on the certificate. It's a lot of bureaucracy with that sort of stuff, so we've got to wait for it all to... Um, Officially out of crisis. No, I think... I, 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 I think we are. I mean, you look how we played against Northampton, you look at... Um, well, I thought Northampton was... Yeah. You were there. It seemed to mm. be like the game that, that yeah. you should have had the certificate presented at. But, the, yeah. but if you think in terms of we had to go into that game and, and get a bonus point, so they added pressure of actually going and having to play, a lot of times that actually goes against you because you try and play too much. I mean, if you look at the start of the game when we had a penalty in, the, in, in their half and actually we've kicked three points rather than go for the corner even though we needed the five, the, the five points because we understand that actually that's not how we play. If we're going to win this game with a bonus point we just have to play how we play. That, that quarter-final, yeah. are you backing your boys? I'm backing, oh, all, I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to talk too far ahead of that but I'm backing us, yeah. I think, I think that is such a great game for us because it's... Just everything about it. You have to say, you're, you're, it's a way, away quarter-final. It's going to be in front of a pack de Viva against the form team in Europe this year. It's, it's yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's going to be bloody hard. It's going to be an absolute battle. But I think I think that's a great game for us. Do you know it's Easter weekend? And you haven't had an Easter weekend off? For- no, don't worry. I've already, I'm already trying to plan, plan the you're trip You're going to do yeah, it, yeah. Yeah. Well, I was just trying to figure out, find out. When do they release what day it's going to be on? So that's this, isn't it? It's later this week, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, I'm I'm going to try my best to get out there, 100%. Saracens, Leinster, and then uh, not another English club, of, as mm. we mentioned. So could we, could we put to you? This is a debate that's been rattling around ever since round three, actually, yeah. of the of the pool stages. Uh, two years ago, um, there were five five English clubs in the in the quarterfinals, and now there's one. So is there a reason? Is this sport and it's cyclical thing, or 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 is there something more systemic to the way English clubs are prepared and going just hammer and tongs week after week? And I'd lean more at the moment towards just the cyclical side of it because I think. It almost goes every sort of two, three years. You, you'll get one nation that kind of dominates the quarterfinals. Mm. So there's a big period where there's a lot of the French teams. Then you had Leinster, Munster, Ulster, were all basically guaranteed quarterfinalists at one point. Um, you had a period early on where Ospreys and Cardiff would always be there or thereabouts. Yeah. Um, and then the English teams came through. So I think at the moment it is more cyclical. There's there's that underlying debate that's been sort of going, especially this year of. Um, international boys particularly playing a lot of rugby does that then show itself in the the club game because do you think it does i'd say well i can only talk on behalf of the lads that i know at the club and i i think from their no from how they're playing because they're all with us and all playing fantastic rugby that sounds like i'm bad mouthing everyone else but the guys at the club are very good at managing the lads so mm. they have been away they're very good at managing them back in and giving them the time they need and which could be why actually they don't they, they're still playing well. Were you, Alex, on this at the yeah. moment? Well, it's, it's not just Saracens, but you're, you, know, you have a, you had a lot of Lions. But mm. we had a, a table in the paper over the weekend, which I've just pulled up here, of the minutes played by players in the Premiership compared to those in the top 14. And, and the top 10 of that list are all in the Premiership. Mm-hmm. Laws, Watson, Joseph, Cole, Haskell, Cruz, Farrell, Mako, Vinopola, Itoji, George. You got to get to number 11 until you get to Justin Tipperick, Carl Sinclair, 12, then Halfpenny. Joe Marler. So the, the stats bear out that mm. the Premiership players do have to play more. And then even uh, so, I thought that was a brilliant mm. um, piece of work because even when you get into the top, uh, into the Pro 14 teams, you, you get into the Welsh players first, and then the Irish players finally kick in. You know, they 
play like half an hour each or something. Yeah, who's the first Irishman? Ian Henderson, 423 minutes. And Co- Johnny John- Laws, 815. Yeah. yeah, and Johnny Sexton is on like, like about 200 or something. I don't think 246 minutes yeah. before the last weekends of, of Europe. So, I mean, just statistically, mm. they are being asked so, to, play, yeah. to play more. That has to have a bearing. You, Sotty, you looked at that, at that before round four of Europe, was it? Where Before round three of Europe. Um, mm. was it, yeah, that was round three of Europe. For instance, uh, Exeter played Leinster and uh, that big game down at Sandy Park where oh, Leinster yes. did a, a really impressive mm. job on them. And Exeter didn't play badly, but yeah. Leinster just did a great job on them. And you looked at the week before, pretty much the same 14 of the 15 were playing yeah. a- against Leinster. But the previous weekend, Leinster had given pretty much the whole team the day yeah. off. So they were all two weeks fresh. Mm. I'm it's, sure that must make a it's difference. It's hard though, that, that isn't it? Because you could argue some players would rather not have a weekend off before a big European game. They'd rather yeah. play the, the week before because they want to get into it. And um, So I suppose that's very much down to the individual. But I yeah. I, I mean, there's, there's, yeah, I haven't actually seen those those stats and that's, yeah. I mean, 815 minutes, that's mental. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, there's there's probably numerous reasons as, as to why why only one English team's made it through this year? Then it, it could be as simple as it's as it's just a cyclical thing. Yeah, I doubt it, it won't be one be, specific thing. There'll be there'll be loads of things. There'll, there'll be elements mm. to it. Yeah, the draw, chance. Yeah, um, and other so, teams so, playing particularly well. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and so many of them were close, weren't they? I mean, Wasps should have done it, but they mm. erred for twenty minutes at Quinns. Bath and so this is this is where we turn to you, Alex, isn't it? What did you say in the first <laughs> week of Europe when Bath didn't, when Bath failed to get their bonus point? Against Benetton at home, I did suggest that they w- that they would regret that bitterly, um, and I was argued down on the basis that Benetton are quite a good team, which 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 they are, but they do actually they will now regret that bitterly because it would have helped them get through. And you displayed great wisdom there, which was underappreciated at the time. <laughs> but That's what you very, get on the rut. It doesn't happen very often. So when I remember saying something that turned out to be true, I have to well done you. I have to flag it up. <laughs> Uh, so, well, uh, last thing on on Saracens. So, so uh, talking about may, maybe hopefully that a lot of the players will be fit again mm. for that Leinster game. Uh, Billy obviously came back uh, after a knee injury. He played one awesome game mm. uh, against Wasps, mm. and everyone's going, you know, wow, the boy's back. Yeah. Then he gets half a game uh, the following week and yeah. uh, break fractures a forearm. Mm. So he's he's now on a, a really miserable run of injuries, mm. which unfortunately is something you can relate to pretty well because yeah. that's that's what you know dogged the the, the yeah. latter part of your career. Have you seen much in the last sort of few months? How is he? Is he sort of personality that will be resilient to this? Because at some stage, you all know as well as anyone. Sorry, mm. could keep on saying that, but no, it, it just it's it's just a misery. Yeah, it, I think it is, and it will be. Billy's a very positive guy. He's always been a very positive guy, so that that naturally will help. Um, I think in the environment we're in at the club, everyone's very good at sort of picking up on little things, body language bits or whatever it is, and very good at you know rallying around and if there's anything that they can do for you, all that kind of stuff. So that will help. But a lot of it does come down to to sort of you individually. And Bill's had a yeah rough old time of it the last sort of six well year really you think he missed a Lions tour as well because he went and had shoulder surgery 
Um, so it's been it's, it's it's been rough on him, but I think you know he, he'll still be back before the end of the season, and I think that'll be a big thing for him. The fact that he can still get some rugby in, he'll still be able to play in the business end. So hopefully, be back for this Leinster game, and and if we win, obviously the semi final, um, summer tour as well. So I think he, he's still back. There's still a huge amount of rugby for him to play when he comes back, which will massively help his mindset with it all. Um, and he'll be finding this out for the first time if you listen to this, but I'm going to get him down and help me a lot of my workshops. So I'll keep him busy with that. So, um, oh, you'll be delighted a, to hear that. Oh, he'll be over the moon. Absolutely over the moon. Um, no, I, he'll be, I think he's, I, I haven't seen him um, for a week or so, um, but I, I think he'll, yeah, he's got a lot of good people around him. Do you do your workshops in the afternoons? Because he likes to yeah, he likes I mean, nice yeah, nap what, in the afternoon, if, if doesn't Billy's he? If going to help, I can tailor it for him. So right, I'm sure we can around, start. around yeah. his, his sleeping We can start in the afternoon, that's yeah. fine, yeah. Excellent. We'll be back in a minute. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on, settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts... Calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome back to The Ruck. Will, if you weren't in Dublin on Easter weekend for the mm. Leinster, Scarlet, uh, Leinster Saracens game, uh, where would you be? Part Scarlet's and watch Scarlet's La Rochelle. Definitely. I think Monster Too Long could be a, could be a belter. But um, yes, Scarlet's La Rochelle's got just... It's already, people are already excited about it being the, you know, one of the great European occasions. Two teams, two attack-minded teams willing to, to have a go from anywhere mm. who've, who've really lit up the, the tournament this year. Um I'm not sure Parky Scarlets will be quite big enough to host all the all the people who are going to want to go to it. Well, it's told they might have to move it. Yeah, I mean, they, they can't move it to the Millennium Stadium, I don't think, because Anthony Joshua's got in there first. Oh, that's very selfish. Yeah. Favourite players from the pool stages? Well, I'll start because um, we're on Scarlets at the moment. Uh, so the, the game I enjoyed the most was when Scarlets uh, gave Bath a complete roasting at the wreck. Uh, and I loved watching. Well, Gareth Davis is, is sort of one of the little stars I've really enjoyed. Uh, James Davis and Reese Patchell, mm. I thought, or just quality, all of them great fun to watch. Brilliant players. Yeah, I had James Davis as well. Um, he's a sort of a, a later developer. He's a kind of a bit of a wild character, um, which is a great thing for the game to have um, have characters and personalities like mm. his uh, sort of burst onto the scene. Really, with the through the seven set up and. 
um, GB sevens won a silver medal at the Olympic Games and has come back and forced his way into the Wales squad with a, a series of just outstanding performances. And he's the, he's the type of seven who really fits the way that they play because he's he's aggressive over the ball and 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 and, and tough at the breakdown. But he's a really good link man as well mm. and um, and and just just fits the way they play at, at, at the Scarlets. Uh, so I've gone for um, actually one from La Rochelle, so Bottia, the Fijian seven slash centre. Whatever he fancies that. Purely day. for the reason that he can do that. <laughs> I think he's just, you talk about a physical specimen and someone that can do something from nothing. But when you were a seven, you could, you played centre from time to time, didn't you? No. Uh, <laughs> I played centre back under 10. Yeah, but after that, seven no. Slash yeah, I sort of went from centre straight to prop and then managed to work myself out <laughs> to the back row. Um, yeah, no, I just think he's, you know, I've gone for him and then Racker um, at Claremont, um, 23-year-old, would you believe? Um, but we obviously felt firsthand the full force of him. Um, he got a hat trick against you, didn't oh, he? I mean... Again, he, you he, you given the ball, and it's like watching. It's like you know you used to watch play at school, yeah. and you, you see the opposition come. And they had that one massive fella, and you're just thinking, Christ, if he gets the ball, we're in trouble. And yeah, for Claremont, Rack is that guy. So. He's a, you're the kind of player. That's why they bring in the um, uh, size rugby, a weight, weight grade rugby uh, yeah. in New Zealand rather than age, yeah. age grade yeah. rugby. I mean, because to avoid the, the massive unit yeah. coming and skittling everything. I mean, you just, I mean, it doesn't defies logic to be that size and to not only just be able to run that fast, but actually to have a bit of footwork as well. Mm. And, uh, and he's for jeans, so he can obviously offload the ball pretty averagely. Um, <laughs> so he's just, yeah, just a, both of them just phenomenal athletes. Two other players who caught my eye um, James Ryan, the, the Leinster lock, who's a real up and coming. Uh, second row in, in Ireland who's, who's got a big 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 future ahead of him and you've got the pronunciation that Chris Kluter Kluter the monster flanker who's just who's come out of nowhere and there, there's one moment which which has stuck in my mind from covering the Leicester Munster game when Johnny May made a break chipped ahead Johnny May quickest player in, in England scored um, probably in the premiership um, chased it down uh, and just as he got to just as he got to it, Chris Clutter was there as well. Uh, just came out of nowhere, and I think he's had, he's had a really big impression on on Munster, and um, just yeah, caught my eye this season. Okay, and, and finally, while well, well, we have the benefit of uh, number seven in our presence, let's talk talk about England and and the, the forthcoming Six Nations. Seven is the is the position that Eddie's just not nailed down. Um, he hasn't been helped by injury, but he's been desperately looking for a, a young. Uh, young player to play a traditional seven role coming mm. through. He's had Haskell playing a, a, a sort of six type seven, um, uh, but Haskell has struggled for for form this year and is now uh, suspended um, back in the, back in for the Scotland game, I think. Uh, so the, Sam Underhill is is just about fit. Chris Robshaw, um, Eddie's talked about putting him back in on, on the other side uh, in the squad. You've also got uh, Gary Graham. Who's this Newcastle mm. player? Who's uh, only arrived in Newcastle from Jersey this season? So he's made a, a fast breakthrough, and, and then injured, but also clearly interesting is the um, is the sale teenager Tom Curry. I mean, mm. uh, can, can you put your way through that, Will, and tell us who's going to be the World Cup winner at seven for England? <laughs> I can't go that far, but I suppose it depends. For me, a lot of it depends on who he's going to pick at six and eight. Sure, as to who you have at seven. So. Um, Obviously, had Billy been fit, no doubt he would have been starting number eight. Then 
because you've got Billy, you can put someone like Sam Sam Underhill um, or Curry, for example, if he's fit at seven because they're the ones that are, you, you know Sam Underhill especially his chop tackling is ridiculous. He can get over the ball. He gives you that side of it, um, but maybe not as much on the carrying side as some other lads will give you. But because you've got Billy there, you don't need that. Yeah, and it's all about that balance. And then obviously you've got options as do you move Marrow, keep Marrow at six. Um, or do you do you put Courtney at six? Or you know how do you deal with that whole situation? Um, then Simmons, obviously, you, you know you stick him at eight, and he gives you a good bit of go forward um, as well. So it's tricky. It, I think for me, it depends more who he wants to put at six and eight as to who you put mm. you put at um, at seven. And then you know Robbo's going to come in and do a phenomenal job for you wherever he plays, um, just because he's an incredibly just consistent. Player. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen him have a bad game, to be honest. So then you've got that option there as well. It's not a nailed down position, but in many ways, I don't necessarily see it as a bad thing because there's plenty of options. If it wasn't nailed down and we had zero options, then you're in a bit of trouble. But we've got plenty of options there. And if you think then you've got Billy to come back into it, and he's looking at Zach Mertz in the squad as well as as, a, as another potential option. I mean, you, there's loads of ways you can play with it. I think it's... You'd hope that after this season, um, obviously then going into into the World Cup, by the end of the Six Nations or the Summer Tour, there's more of a clear picture as to what that back row is going to look like. Um, but I don't necessarily, I don't see it as a bad thing at the moment. To, to uh, but out of, out of the, the the new generation, Underhill, mm. uh, Simmons, Zach Mercy, you mentioned mm. Tom Curry, Gary Graham. I, I know they're sort of playing in different positions mm. around the back row. But does, are there any of those that that, you, that you've watched and you thought, blimey, that kid's got it? I think Sam Underhill is a very good player, very good player. He reminds me of kind of like your Joe Worsley back in the day. He'll make a shed load of tackles, will never miss one, he'll get over the ball, um, do loads of hard work. Then uh, Simmons, I think, is is brilliant. I think he's been a bit of a revelation for, for Exeter over the last sort of season and a half. Um, Tom Curry's good because he's, you know, they're not the biggest of blokes, but they get themselves about, good skills. Again, it's hard to pick one out of them because, to be honest, again, for me, it would depend on who you've got as yeah, yeah. you pick. Mm-hmm. But, but I, I think they're all very good and they're all, you know, I can say it now because I don't play anymore, they're all bloody young. <laughs> so they've got they've all got sort of big futures ahead. So it'd be really interesting to see how that position... And to be honest, seven, even when I was playing, seven's been a, probably the most talked about position in England for... Since Neil back, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it really has, isn't it? Because it, the, the irony is, is that every year the seven position is, is defined in a new way and now we've gone through a whole period of looking for a new kind of seven and now everyone's talking about we want an old school seven you know who's going to do that so it's 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 amazing is it really because it's just it's probably the one position where you've got so many different ways of playing it like it, it's and, and and that's because it depends so heavily on who else is in that back row with you but um but as I say, we've got options and we've got a lot of good players, a lot of good young players. Um, so I think you know, the future looks good in that position, whoever ends up whoever ends up taking the shirt. Well, thanks so much for coming along today. Uh, we gave you a, a, a special news service by scripting the start of this programme and it doesn't just end there, does it? Because we've now got an email address and we've got a special coming up on Thursday uh, where Steve Jones is... Uh, in a ruck special with Wayne Barnes, the referee. And I say, as I said, we have this new email address, theruck at thetimes.co.uk. So that uh, makes communication uh, simpler and easier. Please email all your views and tell us what you think, what you want us to talk about. We will be back next week. Thank you for joining us on The Ruck. Hold up. 
location. iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 